My name is Hemish Alangaratne, and I'm the founder of RX Group and the host of Let's Talk Quality. Let's Talk Quality is a podcast aimed at quality assurance professionals in pharma and biotech. Join us to learn from some of the best QA leaders around the world and hear how they've developed their careers as they provide some practical insights into how they've got to the top of their field. Our mission is to shine a light on what good quality assurance really means for pharma and biotech. What impact does it really have on the patient? We want to explore some of the biggest challenges facing the sector and inspire the next generation of quality assurance leaders to continue to help bring safer and better quality therapies to patients. Welcome to season one. I hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, Stan. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Hamish. How are you? Yeah, I am I'm very well, thank you. Um, thanks for joining um, the, the, the the podcast. Welcome to the show. Um, we, um, we've been talking for some time and I'm um, excited and looking forward to, to this conversation. Um, I suppose before we get into it, do you want to give the listeners and the audience a high-level overview of who you are and, and a bit about your, your background? Sure. Thanks. Uh, of course, my name is Stan Russell. I've been in the, we'll call it just the life science industries. We'll put it under that umbrella for uh, for close to 35 years. Uh, many different roles, particularly early in my career, an individual contributor within uh, Abbott Laboratories as uh, supply chain engineering, um, IT operations, including commercial operations. Moved from there into consulting, uh, did that for about nine years. And, and that slowly morphed from technical consulting over to management consulting, went back to the inside uh, with Baxter in, in what became the start of the last 15 or so years, um, really focused on quality management roles and those have sort of progressed and, and, and had a, a pretty good breadth of those. Uh, my last two, last two roles being heads of quality for companies and currently um, doing that in a consulting role uh, with a couple of startup companies where I'm I'm serving as the the named head of quality on a essentially a part time or an interim basis. So uh, it's really time time has flown and it's been fun, but uh, really looking forward to to what's next as well. Very good, very good. So we um we we've we're going to speak about um quite a key topic that I think uh, um a lot of people talk about. It's um uh, how to create. I suppose a value adding quality assurance function um and continuously driving this culture of quality the word you know or the phrase rather quality culture is is um quite common it's thrown around quite a lot um so i suppose we, we we've had a, a a few chats about this but um yep. if you can give the listeners i guess some context as to why we're talking about this today why is it that as an industry, I suppose we have to be continuously driving this quality mindset, this quality culture, whatever the right phrase of or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, the, the the phrase "quality police" and "bottleneck" and things like that are, are, are something that you've, you've probably heard many times over the years. But um, if you can give some context as to why why we're talking about this, that would be a good starting point. Absolutely, and I, and I like to, and I'm glad we covered a bit of my background because I was I was guilty of being one of those accusers. In fact, uh, the comment I remember from <laughs> my supply chain days is that I referred to quality as the sales suppression force, right? So, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I think we've hit on a couple of a couple a couple of terms there, though. I think uh, quality as a value adding function 
and culture of quality. And, and in, uh, in the former case, of course, that, okay, that's got teeth to it. That's, that's, that's got some tangible aspects we can talk about. The, the latter is something that, um, you know, it's, it's that, uh, that old kind of catchphrase. Uh, I don't know how to define a culture of quality, but I'll know it when I see it. Um, I've taken some time to, to think about both of these things. I think, of course, um, quality is a mandated function when, within our regulated industry. So there is a, uh, there is always that sense that the, you know, they, they're, they have a policing role. Um, and at, at times and, and given particular, uh, business conditions, you have to play that, um, that is a function. It is one small bit of what quality has to do. I think the, uh, the way quality adds value to the organization as being an integrated part and a, and a function in knowing and, and delivering on the organizational goals. So I'm, I'm, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, I do want to pause and try to give some uh, some measure of at least you know, tangi- tangible nature to the idea of a culture of quality. Um, the way I've come to describe it over the past couple of years is thinking about quality not as a function, not as a department, not as that guy over there, but really uh, quality is a promise that uh, the entire company is making. When when we put our name on a label and put information on a label and then send that out for use by a patient or in the case of an intermediate manufacturing or or a component manufacturer, it's a promise made to that customer. Um, With a final drug product, of course, you're making the promise not only to the patient, but to their care team, the physician, their family, the payers, of course, policymakers, the general public, uh, if you've got safety and environmental information on that label. So it's a pretty big deal, right? But but quality, the quality of a company, the quality of the product come down to that promise. And then a culture of quality is an understanding of everyone as to what hand do they play in the making that promise and keeping that promise. And, and as you have a pervasive sense from everyone, from whatever their role is, of what it takes to make that promise and what role they play in it, and then what role they play in keeping that promise. And if they, they, they own that, they adopt that, they embrace that, then you've got a really strong culture of quality and, and everything else rolls forward uh, the right way from a perception of quality from there. Yeah, nice. I like that um, definition, or I suppose, or analogy. It's um, it's a promise, um, and the culture is equals. I suppose the understanding of the role that people are um, are playing in making and keeping that promise. Yep. Um, yep, exactly. So is that how you would typically define the culture of quality? Yes. Yes. Both both definition yeah. and measure. It's it's kind of that. You know, does everybody have the ability to articulate their quality role? And and it could be mm. a finance person. It could be, you know, I mean, and, and I and I loved to to talk with people who are in housekeeping, in particular in sterile operations, because they yeah. really have perhaps the most critical role in product quality. <laughs> and yeah. and I mean, I'm constantly amazed at companies who never take the time to even explain this to people or share share what their ability to deliver is all about. Mm. Yeah. And like with regards to the the stereotypical phrases or, or labels as like the quality police or um you know the the bottleneck I've heard um 
um, the Office of Product Prevention before. Um, <laughs> what, um, how has the role of the quality function and, and the perception of the quality function evolved, do you think, over the years? And do, do you think it's... Is it, is it improving? Is it? Uh, it's. I mean, it, I'd say it's clearly improving, but um, or I'd like to think it's improving. But how how is it evolving? Yeah, I think I think there's um, there there's two sides to this coin. In one sense, if if everything had improved and and every we're all good and everybody understood this idea of the quality promise, we wouldn't even need to do this show, right? But but uh, yeah, you know, we're we're here and and there's a reason for it, and there's going to be some hopefully some minds changed by it. But, um, but no, I, I think a couple of things have happened. One is, um, the, you know, better job, most organizations and people and leaders are doing of you know, cross pollinating their organizations with different backgrounds. And I, and I, again, I like to, I like to make sure I bring my whole background into discussions. So, so people understand, I, I, I know the entire business, I know the entire process and, and can support it from a quality oversight position much better by knowing what the end-to-end uh, outline is. I think the, the mm. other area where we've seen uh, big growth in the perception of quality as a value-adding, value-contributing function is as we get into uh, advanced therapies, more complex uh, medicines, and mm. maybe even more complex regulations. So you've got mm. this this need for, you know, a thought partner uh, in, in coming from the quality function, not just somebody to come in and make sure you know black is black and white is white, but let's mm. let's figure out, let's think this through. This and and you you begin to and, and the other side of it of it, you know, you you can't just say the organization's got to change their mind. There's got to be mutual accountability here. Right. So as the enterprise starts to think about, you know, what what is it we can we can perceive differently about our quality function. The quality function needs to step up and take our seat at the table. I'll I'll speak on behalf of quality since that's what I've been doing for a decade and a half now. It's you know, we can't just sit there and, and say, we're going to flip a coin. And it's going to land heads or tails every time. No, we have to have that. We have to bring that critical thinking. We have to truly have maturity um, in our thinking and, and in our knowledge to be able to make good risk-based decisions in this very complex environment. And I think as we see more and more of that, we'll see this perception evolve and, and the, the old thinking of quality go away. Mm, interesting so yeah i, th- I think your, your point around different backgrounds is, is really important diversity in thinking and um and then backgrounds and then yeah the the evolution of therapies advanced therapies um clearly um i suppose means that qa is definitely more seen as a, as a thought part thought partner like you say um mm. so, so from a leader's perspective how can how can leaders and organizations work to change those perceptions? And it sounds like it is it is coming, you know, it's coming along, um, it's going in the right direction. But how can leaders and organizations make sure that quality is seen as a value contributing function? Um, and I suppose if you could share some practical steps, maybe that you've taken in your career, that would be that would be useful. Yes, definitely. I think the um, you know the, the first and foremost the the leader building a team needs to understand what they need to do to support you know, each member of that team. And, and the biggest thing from a making a good quality leader and a good quality business partner out of everyone on the quality team 
is making sure they understand to a appropriate and, and important level of depth uh, what the other functions do. So, um, you know, you really have to, mm. to look at the whole. And, and again, I probably have a bias because my, my undergrad degree is in chemical engineering and I, I just have this major league process yeah. brain that thinks of everything in terms of a process end to end. This is how it goes. And I love to draw out swim lane diagrams and show, you know, all the systems, all the, all the pieces, all the handoffs and helping people in the organization understand that, yes, you have specific vertical technical knowledge, but it's also critical to take that and apply it across the board. How do you how do you connect the dots, so to speak? And I and I talk sometimes about yeah. complex processes. They're like they're like phone numbers, right? There there are ten different digits in a typical U.S. phone number, and to get through, you have to get them exactly right in exactly the right order at the right time. Um, so a good cross-functional team should work a lot like that phone number. Um, <clears throat> but back to the quality organization and, and getting that that set up. Uh, making sure you're connecting people in your organization with the, the business partners they support and, and really understanding what people, how people learn. You know, do they learn visually? Mm -hmm. Do they learn verbally? Do they learn hands on kinesthetically? Right. What does it take for somebody to know enough about what they're supporting to truly support it versus mm -hmm. just, you know, take a, take a sidelong glance at it and, and make that, uh, make that assessment sort of out of hand. Um, I think mm. tactically speaking, understanding that the majority of people in a quality role, um, you know, I, I have some of my, some of my hobbies uh, include in terms of organizational development include, I've, I've been certified as a disc trainer and disc instructor, and I've looked at several different personality style models. And I also mm. look at being a numbers guy, I look at statistics and a majority mm. of, um, quality personnel uh, way outside the norm in society uh, have a reserved task-oriented background. So you can't just okay. tell, like, you can't just set a quality person up and say, yeah, call so-and-so who's, you know, this gregarious VP of this and ask them, you know, to connect you through their organization. No, you, you have to actually do a little handholding. And that's where, that's where the management yeah. aspect of leadership comes in is taking care of those little details that, that hold people up, right? It's not that they lack the technical knowledge or the ability to understand the whole process. It's, they may lack the, you know, just that, the, the necessary boldness to call somebody they don't know. And so, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's yeah. really being yeah. aware of, you know, the, all of the, all the aspects of the, the people on the team in order to fully develop them and, and make them a strong mm. contributor to the organization. Yeah. You're, you're, you're almost playing the facilitator, I suppose. Like, absolutely. You, know, you have to, absolutely. Um, you, you, yeah. To develop your people, you need them to be speaking to other functions, other people, um, and, and developing their relationships. That's not, that doesn't come naturally to certain people. So as a leader, your job is to, make sure that that those conversations are happening those relationships are being built and sometimes you have to literally facilitate you, know, you have to make that happen yourself yep exactly exactly that's that's yeah. that's one of the big tactical things i think uh, a lot of folks miss um i think the other of course is just making sure that um you're always putting anything your quality function or the quality sub functions are doing in context of the overall operation um, and so that is, you know, making sure that the 
quality is represented and actively involved in all the sorts of visual visual management stand-up meetings. You know, we use lean practices. We use a lot of other uh, sources of that kind of you know just just operational monitoring, if you will, and and yeah. never letting people get their you know their blinders on or in a silo. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that's uh, that's a, another. Yeah big leap forward for people when they're when they're you know asked to use their peripheral vision on a regular basis yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) um yeah that's 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 interesting and then you're um you mentioned that you're you're a you're a numbers guy um so um when it comes to i've always you know wondered this and a lot of people ask me like is there a way that people measure or people companies measure or assess the strength of a the, a culture of quality like are there any for example are the metrics that you use are there um any particular um key performance indicators that uh, leaders should be tracking um you know is there a scientific formula i suppose to, to break down <laughs> the culture of a quality the quality culture in a business yeah so <laughs> or is I, it not I, as simple as that it's it's simple but it's not easy if that makes sense i think yeah. the um <clears throat> the it's, it's, you know, and there's a, there's a we could do an entire university semester on this, right? And and mm. and there are many organizations out there where you can you can learn quality metrics and, and how to track them, what to track, what to track, you know. And, and the you know I've I've uh, brought the uh, the book into play a lot of times. Measure what matters, right? And and okay. and that's that's again, you know, it all kind of ties to our main theme here today. Um, there are some specific things if you look at the regulations on self-inspection and management review you know there are specific things Mm. that that quality has most ownership or most accountability for that everyone throughout the company particularly executive management needs to be aware of on top of owning accountable for in terms of the reg okay you've you've got this one card you can play from a quality perspective and this is this is where i encourage all quality leaders to focus because you do have the ability to play the because we have to do this card uh, around management review. Um, and some, unfortunately, a lot of quality professionals miss the opportunity that this creates, right? Uh, because it, it really is something you have to do. And, and, and there are some basics. I mean, you, you need to be looking at what your what your uh, you know the, the rate of DPA, you know product complaint safety issues are, are a starting point deviations other mm-hmm. quality issues other errors uh, what's mm-hmm. your change control projects your audit history all those sort of things so it's it's a lot of data trending um, mm-hmm. that is is built into this you know the the monitoring is the other term that, that we hear a lot of from FDA and EMA these days so there's a lot of that built into the the process of management review and. The short-sighted quality leader will say, "Okay, we've we've pulled together our data. We've made these pretty slides. We've had our one-hour presentation. We got the CEO to show up. Uh, they actually signed the minutes. Okay, we're good. We can stop sweating for another quarter, or another half a year, whatever yeah. the interval yeah. is on. Yeah. And it's just a huge. It, it's like the classic example of leaving money on the table uh, from a quality leadership standpoint. Because I think that." Yes, you've got to get that information in there, present it in a concise fashion. I think the the next important bits of that, and and I've just made a lot of hay on this <laughs> over the course of my career, um, yeah. is is let's see how much more value we can get out of this typically one hour meeting, no more than once a quarter, 
right? Well, right. who have you got there? You've got the the all of the supporting functions of the company, right? And all the leadership there. So if you need support for something, you, you have that audience, you have that opportunity. Okay. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is most most other interactions, the majority of interactions that quality have with senior management are when there's either a beheading about to occur because somebody mm -hmm. goofed and they need a scapegoat and quality makes a really good one. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fortunately, that's not yeah. common, but it not that common, yeah. but it does happen. I think the other one yeah. is where quality is, is showing up at the paramedics because, you know, a few people have been asleep at the switch for a while and something needs fixing. And, you know, quality mm. is the heroes never bodes well for the, the future of your company. Right. Yeah. It's, mm. there are times when quality has to come in and it's an expensive process. It's certainly draining value from your company, not only in dollars, but in reputation. I mean, when you, when you see highly publicized warning letter information, it, you know, there, there, are, you know, and doctors will tell you patients will ask not to be prescribed a drug if they read bad press about it. <laughs> right. And so, yeah. Yeah. so there are those times when quality has those sort of interactions with senior management. And there's really no way to, I'll say, spin that into a, a value proposition for quality. So it comes back to mm. what is, what is that standard, that engine function of management review that you can leverage to do this? And so it starts with making sure you've got the data clear and concise and where there are problems, being transparent about those, but also conveying that, hey, we have a process within quality to manage these problems, fix them, get them off the off the radar. Um, so that's big. And then I think that, you know, the idea of continuous improvement, Lean Six Sigma, quality engineering, all those aspects can really be leveraged and promoted as owned and, and, and built from the quality organization in the management review process. Because you can say, okay, we have a we had a downward trend in this. It's now an upward trend. This is good. We're seeing, you know, 50 more units per lot because of this, this issue we've corrected or this sampling, this redundant sampling we've, we've eliminated. Just getting into that little level of detail and projecting out, you know, how many more patients are served and how much, you know, you, you can and you mm -hmm. want to be, you want to be sensitive on this because you want to really focus on solving the problem, but making sure you've, yeah. you've captured any monetization of quality improvements in that management review forum. And you want, you don't want to overdo that because those, those notes are discoverable in an inspection. And so mm. you don't really want the FDA thinking your quality organization is totally focused on money. You don't want to give them that perception. So, you know, mm. but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's important as you, as you drive value from a quality seat, um, that, that yeah. you take the time to articulate these sort of things. And, and, and it's, if it's in terms of time savings, cycle time reduction, uh, cost savings, additional yields, all those sort of sort of bits play into that. Um, mm. So we, we talked about getting that uh, that out there. I think the um, the next thing that it gets missed a lot with management mm. review is the ability to um, develop people in a hurry. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've had an extraordinary amount of fun doing this, and 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 it isn't fun at others' expense. I'm I'm not you know sadistically <laughs> throwing people to the wolves, but by and large, the management review is a safe set of information to present. You're basically saying you know we're running as a as a very healthy quality company. We do this. We do this many things right. Here's a quick summary of it from the past reporting period, um, and so giving those really good you know, 
good news presentations to junior staff members who could use an audience with executives in terms of their development plan. Uh, that's mm. unfortunately a lot of a lot of heads of quality miss that because they they try to micromanage or they try to they try to over control the environment and management review because they're afraid you know what if the executive asks a question yikes we're in trouble um, yeah not at all right and 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 having a person who is at you know a hands on level a boots on the ground level convey that information is is looked upon favorably by by every executive and when they're asking questions it is almost always out of curiosity and it makes mm -hmm. a connection with that person and then that that junior level person has an executive champion for their career a lot of times just because of that three or four minute opportunity in a management review meeting so i really mm -hmm. i really and, and now now i will say this if 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 there's a train wreck you're fixing yeah that's on the head of quality you need to own yeah. that. You need to, you know, and, and if there's a, <laughs> if there's a flaying to be done, yes, you take those as, as the yeah. leader, but where you have a chance to let people shine, you should always use that manager review to do that because it's a really big audience. Nice. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, thanks for, for breaking that down. Um, that's really, it's, um, it's interesting to hear that, you know, the, the, the phrase quality as the heroes as well is um yeah. is often it doesn't bode well for the um the organization right. um like yeah, yeah. Um, so I, will, I, I will give you i will give you one number and and this is i've yeah. been doing a good bit of work lately in autologous uh t-cell therapies uh for for cancer and it's a special passion of mine it's something i'm continuing to get more and more excited about every day um mm. but the the one number the one metric that quality would be like okay our, our work here is done <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> is 100 percent right first time every time yeah okay that yeah. that's that's perfection it should be the the north star for every quality organization and every organization with a culture of quality so mm -hmm. until you're there keep going nice i like it from um from a leader's leadership perspective um you may like you've talked a lot about articulating whether it be to the people you're in your team or or to management um you uh, i've heard you use an analogies a, a lot before um and i think that's in, uh, leaders are generally good storytellers and 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 make things seem or, or feel simple and 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 remove any complications and, and make things as clear as possible and then and then they're good at clarifying things and analogies are a good way of doing that um uh, what's your leadership style and like do you do you look at um how do you articulate quality are there any analogies that you um that you draw upon when when leading yes yeah, so thank you first of all anyone who's listening to this who knows me has been waiting for me to throw out some analogies and there are people who said they just <laughs> like to write down so Yes, and and you've been, <laughs> you've been subject to a few of them over our over our conversation. So yeah. thank you. Um, I love. I think yeah, yeah. So so number one, and this isn't an analogy; it's it's the truth. Um, I was as an undergrad, I was a cheerleader at Northwestern, and I still yeah. am the cheerleader encourager of people today. I think that's yeah. you know always always trying to pull people up and lift them up and and get get recognition where it's where it's due. Um, but I think the, the two analogies I, I keep coming back to as a leader and, and, you know, in the area of simplifying the way we look at things, right. There's, 
there's there's a lot of very complex leadership models out there, and some of them very expensive, and some of them very narrow minded. Um, the two I like to come back to are are be the glue first of all, um, because if you're leading a complex cross functional team that's within a, a very complex organization, which every biotech and, and pharma and med device company is by definition exactly that. So if you're leading a team like that, you need to be connected to all the nodes in in the process or the network and you need to be the connector sometimes as a leader that's you know and and that's not necessarily a natural style for people but it does help to think of yourself as okay my job here is not to do this person's work that person's work or even in some cases in quality it's not to police this person's work or that person's work it's just to connect them so the 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 two together are doing what they need to do together versus two separate. And they're being just, just a little bit off. Right. Um, mm. And I think the other thing, and this is more of a general leadership um, principle. And I learned it a long time ago from, from uh, one of my Abbott managers, uh, Gary Jones, I'll give him a, a shout out here. Um, I use the term snowplow. He just said he's a barrier remover, but it's the same thing. You know, you, you, you have, we, we have, we're, we're so spoiled in this industry because vast overwhelming majority of people come in and want to do a good job. They want to make sure they're, you know, we're doing good things for patients today and better things for them tomorrow. And they want to work with a team and they want to accomplish great things. So nobody comes in, you know, well, not nobody, but people come in and they want to do a good job and they've gotten extraordinary skills, right? And so sometimes they've just run into barriers. And and I think the, the most important job of a leader is once you've identified somebody's talent and the organization's need for that talent, you've got to make sure they can deliver that talent to the organization. So sometimes that involves being like the snowplow driver. You just go get the obstacles out of the way so they can go down the road. Yeah. 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 There was another one that, I've, that I heard you say that when we spoke once. Um, I can't remember. It was around. It was, it was comparing quality to a um a good quality function to a a good referee um, yes, in football yes. i suppose they they they, they go yeah. unnoticed right yeah. right nice. i i uh, I've, I've used the uh some my you know and as a cheerleader and somebody who's got a promotional mindset sometimes this this just yeah, doesn't yeah. play but but the truth of it is my my uninspiring slogan for every every quality organization is you should be boring but effective right Boring but effective. Yeah, yeah. Don't Everybody should hear sleep us. well at night, knowing <laughs> knowing you're there. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. Brilliant. Um, right, Stan. We're going to get into some quick fire questions, and sure. to be honest, you've answered some of these questions in 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 quite detailed ways throughout the um the show. But um, what what advice would you give to future quality leaders? It's one, and I ask this because I get a lot of people that are either coming through their career or you know, in manager or director positions and they might not necessarily be clear on their path to the top or path to, you know, towards mm-hmm. um, becoming a better quality professional or a better leader. So yeah, what, what advice would you give to, to, to quality insurance? And I think um, adopt a, a, an organization first mindset, right? Um, and that, when I mean that, an enterprise first mindset. Um, so think about this always in the context of, what are we doing for the company? And, and the way to do that tactically is make sure you as the leader and, and your team members are learning as much about the business and the processes and the people that make up that business as you possibly can. You know, just there, there's no substitute for knowledge and connection to be able to, to do a good job, right? And, and I don't care what 
brand or, or type of whatever else development plan you use, step one in growing your career, no matter what you're doing, is doing your current job very well. No excuses, no exceptions. You know, if, if, and, and, and the best way to be a good quality leader is to know the business that you're supporting and know where you're delivering value. I think the other thing I like to encourage uh, quality leaders to do is expand their horizons because unfortunately I've, I've seen a lot of people get into senior positions in quality whose career path is very vertical and it makes them less effective in terms of that enterprise impact capability, but it also makes them less or, or, or more susceptible to, you know, business changes, mergers, acquisitions, that sort of thing. You know, the, um, synergies <laughs> you don't yeah. often keep the one trick ponies as the as the the phrase goes so um uh, and, you know and i'll give david Lowndes from shire some credit for this phrase but becoming an exporter of talent is is really another maybe objective for a quality leader bring someone into your organization who has a scientific background help them understand you know what it takes to have a quality mindset let them promote out of your organization back into something with more technical depth and some some management, you know, all those sort of things. But but really, constantly growing people by increasing their value to the organization. Lovely. Um, are there any softer skills or traits that you think make make a um, a great quality assurance leader? So I think this is one that that. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to send a lot of people's hair on fire and I don't have any, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not concerned about my own hair lighting on fire <laughs> for saying this, but, um, the one skill that I think every quality professional and whether you're an individual contributor or a leader should take the time to learn is negotiation. And, and there are people who will flip a lid when they say, what the quality guy's talking about negotiation. No, we can't have that. You know, um, but the truth of it, it is, and I and I want to give some, one more uh, one more shout out. Professor Lee Thompson from uh, uh, Kellogg at Northwestern um, has taught me an awful lot about negotiation, and and the most critical aspect from a quality perspective is learning negotiation is optimizing the interests of everyone involved, and in the quality role, you're representing the interests of the patient, the community, those, those people who are to whom the promise is being made. Right. And so optimizing the outcomes for everybody is the right. It, it's not about I get I get everything. You get nothing. You know, that old that old negotiation model is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about yeah. that. How do you get the most, uh, you know, how do you get the most value, the most benefit to everyone involved uh, and, and optimize that? Right. And <clears throat> the, the, the better you are with making sure you're, you know, again, aiming towards that 100% right first time every time, right? That is everyone's objective because it benefits everyone. And the complexity of it requires a negotiation mindset because you can't have it all black and white. So I guess that's that's the one soft skill we haven't talked about. And I wanted to, you know, mm. drop, that, uh, drop yeah. that concept in there to help people understand. In, in negotiation, then leads to collaboration and teamwork, which, when used properly, are are incredibly important. Um, and it and it demands that you bring in a diversity of perspectives and a diversity of interests to get the best possible yeah. solution. Brilliant. 
Um, final question, uh, what, what, what inspires you? What gets you up in the morning? Well, we've talked a lot about where I've been, but what I'm most excited about is where I'm going. I mean, as, and as I think about, you know, in my lifetime and in, in the years that are left, hopefully in my career, we are going to move from, you know, just focusing on treatments and just focusing on symptoms to identifying, curing root causes of diseases. And we're all going to get to be part of that. And there won't be, you know, a single, you know, the army of one thing won't be happening. It'll be working together as a team of people with, with each person, you know, again, that phone number analogy, each person hitting theirs on the dot every time. And it being, you know, just, just like a raising the trophy on behalf of patients whose lives were saved. Um, that'll never get old. That'll get me out of bed every day without an alarm clock. I love it. Brilliant. Stan has been, um, it's been great to have you on the show. I think um, one of the things I like about these shows is that I I'm, I learn a lot um, throughout the episodes as, as well, and I've learned a lot today. And um, I think a lot of people will take some really good value and some good practical um, tips and understand and, and insights um, that they can take into their their career at whatever stage. So um, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Um, if um, if anyone would like to get hold of you or pick your brains on anything, um, what's the best way to get hold of you? Uh, LinkedIn is is probably the best. Um, yeah, yeah, and then we'll we'll cool. we'll take it from there. Yeah, um, I'm happy to uh, happy to chat with with folks who are who are looking at uh, how how they can get on the bus to to get to where we go next with this industry. Thanks so much for the uh, for the opportunity, Amish. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for thanks again, um, Stan. Thank you for listening to today's show. I hope that you got value from it, whether you're starting your career in quality or if you're at the top of your field. Today's episode was brought to you by RX Group. I'm the founder of RX Group. We are a pharma and biotech recruitment organization focusing purely on quality assurance. We recruit consultants and senior level permanent quality professionals into the pharma and biotech industry. If we can support you, whether that be in a hiring capacity or if you yourself are looking for work, please get in touch with me on LinkedIn, visit our LinkedIn page where you can subscribe to the podcast and visit our website www.rx-group.io to find out more about us. See you soon.